friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. You are watching or listening to the live show we do every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Tonight, my guest, Dan Tomaszewski from Kaseya. Dan, how are you? Doing good, Marv. How about you? I am doing great. Did, uh, did you get all your Cyber Monday, Black Friday shopping done? Most of it done. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a busy time. So uh, the only thing that would have made the weekend better is if the Lions would have actually won on Thanksgiving. Ah, uh, yeah, that is true. But you guys are putting up a fight this year. At least you're not, you know, like it was in years past. Yeah, we're we're not an embarrassment. We're at least making it competitive. Yep, that is true. That is true. Well, Dan, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. And for listeners, we are going to be talking a little bit of Kaseya. We're going to be talking about the Datto State of the MSP report for 2022, starting to look ahead for 2023. I've got a couple of news stories. And of course, if we have time, we may speak a little Florida man or random question. That is all coming up tonight. Let us start with the fact that I need to do a shout out to the Channel Strong folks. They did a little stop down here in Fort Lauderdale. I visited them with them on Monday afternoon. I got there a little bit late, but I did get to see some people there. So our friends from BVoip and Solutions Granted, uh, it was hosted at a local MSP, Michael Goldstein and his crew over there at... Uh, I want to say Land Associates, but I think I said it wrong. So, Michael, if you're listening or if somebody wants to correct Land me. Land Infotech. Land Infotech. That's it. Yes. I should know. I mean, the dude is like four miles from my office. <laughs> I should know that. Uh, but got to see some people there, meet uh, some new friends, had some MSPs drive up from Miami even and participate. So I want to do a shout out to them. like to let people know what's happening out in the world. And tomorrow, I am going to be at the Hard Rock Cafe down here in Hollywood, Florida. App River is having a partner day, and it's going to be half-day partner stuff and half-day Microsoft training. I really don't know, but I'm going to go visit and see my rep there, Josie Keck, and uh, hang out with some people there. Might do a little podcasting there, so that will be tomorrow. And then tomorrow evening... I've got a visit from a friend, and I'm not going to announce it, but I'm going to say this is almost a pop-in, and it's going to be a special announcement, but uh, that is all happening this week down here in Fort Lauderdale. So, Dan, let me ask you a question, and I didn't prep you for this, but how much do you think cybersecurity really costs? Really, like in terms of an MSP? Well, let me let me rephrase the question. So if we were to try to put a number as to the annual cost that a business would be paying per employee for cybersecurity, what do you think that cost would be? Let's go. You have the number, right? I do have the number. All right. So what if we said $500 an employee? Okay. That's a good guess, but it's wrong. So... According to a study done by the company Perception Point, they concluded that organizations are paying an average of $1,197 
per employee each year to address successful cyber incidents across email, cloud collaboration, apps or services, and web browsers. That's a lot of money. A lot of money, but it makes sense with the world that we're living in and the the evolution of what we're seeing on a daily basis. So I do think the number is right, and I think it's a great number for MSPs to be able to use while they're out having conversations as well. Yeah. So this was an article that was written by Eric Linask. And again, this was from a company called Perception Point. This was out on one of the MSP news sites that I wanted to just bring up. And if I were doing a full news segment, I'd go into detail. But the cost, first of all, for people aren't only in hard dollars, but also time. And so anytime there is a successful email-based incident, it takes security staff an average of 86 hours to address. That's pretty insane for our line of work. Pretty crazy. Yeah. All right. So, Dan, you are back with us. And I just released an episode that we recorded. We actually recorded it uh, a while back. But uh, the latest podcast, 459, we had you on doing just an audio podcast. I titled it Moving Closer to a Single Pane of Glass with Kaseya One. Do you remember how that conversation went? I remember our conversation, and I, I'm grateful to be on with you today. I know it's been a little while since we've done that, but yes, I remember that conversation. So should, for people that haven't yet listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. Uh, some great information in there, but just to let everybody know that Kaseya One is just part of the offering that you guys are doing at Kaseya, and it's it's kind of that front page for all things Kaseya, right? Yeah, look, the platform is IT complete, and Kaseya One is that single pane of glass like you were just talking about. You know, it's real important today for MSPs to be able to, when you have multiple solutions with us, that's what our platform is. It's an IT complete, giving you the stack you need to be able to serve your customers. Now, instead of having to go to IT Glue, going to Rocket Cyber's portal, going to dark web, going over here, going over there. You go to one single portal, click easy single pane of glass into everything with intelligence built in, your billing, your ticketing, everything in one pane of glass, really trying to make it efficient for you and your tech. So like that's our goal, it's our mission, it's come to life, um, it's out there, it's functional. Uh, so really excited you know, and getting really positive feedback uh, from our customers that are in the program. All right. That's good. So listen to that. And then we also address this thing called vendor fatigue. And it's kind of a double meaning there because some of it is just vendor fatigue in general. We have so many companies that we're dealing with, but in a sense, Kaseya One helps the idea of not having, what is it, the average of 17 portals open at any given time? Yeah. Like if you have 17 different vendors, so if you put it in the perspective that way, got your email security, you got your backup, you got your RMM, you got all the different solutions. You're logging in for billing, for invoicing. Um, you're, you're constantly having to go open support tickets in different motions in different areas. I mean, it can put a lot of fatigue on an average MSP on a daily basis when you're, when you're doing all those things. So what we're trying to really accomplish and what we are accomplishing um, is giving you that single pane of glass to be able to do everything in one spot making it easier on you. 
And I think the other part, when you, when you think about it, you know, I was a former MSP myself. Um, think about all the releases, you know, new features that come out, um, product enhancements, updates, things like that. We miss most of those is in an everyday state when you got 17 different vendors that you're getting updates from and releases with that one portal. Um, we have our Cooper intelligence engine inside and it really, what it's doing is it's telling you about new features that people are using to make your text more productive or to secure your customers or to make a better workflow. Um, so it's really driving to help you become more efficient and reduce some of that fatigue uh, and really help you, you know, run a profitable MSP. All right. So all of that we discussed back in episode 459. So go back anytime and catch that. You can do that by going to itbusinesspodcast.com and find out anything that you need to know, not only about that episode, but all things related to the podcast. So Dan, tonight we're going to dig into this uh, state of the MSP report that Datto yeah. has put out. Uh, you know what? I did not go back and look. Do you know how many years they've been doing this? I believe it's been going on for, I think it's over 10 years. Okay. I think they've been putting it out. I know there's been some, and maybe it's not called the state of the MSP report, but I remember this report's been out for quite some time, maybe even over that. Yep. And it is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good sized report, 23 pages. Yes. It's got lots of information. And the cool part about these reports is it's information coming from your peers. It's other MSPs that are sharing their insights and what they're feeling. So when you're reading this data, when you're looking at it, it's it's not us saying it. It's it's you, the MSPs that are saying and giving your piece of you know what you feel is going on in the industry. So it's always fun to read these and go through and see what's going on. Right. So let me ask first. This is nothing to do. Well. It is in the report, but it's it's not really conducive to talking about the output in a sense of, you know, what they said. But the first thing that struck me was that 83% of the people that responded are not actually Datto partners. That seems – I don't know what the, what the word I'm looking for is, but it kind of seems counterintuitive. You would think that Datto would have gotten most of their results from actual par- partners – but do you know, and I, and I, I know I'm asking you off the, off the cuff here, but um, how is it that they're going out and, and interviewing all of these MSPs that are not Datto partners? Look, I mean, the surveys are obviously published out on social media. They're published in other different forums, and we encourage everybody to, you know, to participate. Um, and so I think it's actually good in some respects, too, you know, for us to have non-partners filling things out. Um, we want to mix. We want our partners, and we also want to hear from the rest of the channel. Um, that way, you know, you're getting a true state of the channel, and it's not one-sided. It's not just one vendor customer. You're getting people that are customers and non-customers. Um, so I think there is a mix, um, but I, I look at it as a positive thing because you know it's not slanted towards you know just our products or services. Uh, or what those partners are thinking. It's it's the actual channel and getting the results from them. All right. So digging into the report again, it's it's a it's a pretty uh, detailed report in terms of numbers. So there's a lot of things we can get to. Uh, I'm going to ask for you to provide me your top key takeaways from it. But one of the things that also stuck out to me 
is right in the introduction. It talks about the fact that this year's survey saw an 11% increase in break-fix revenue for MSPs. Now, I have heard and been a part of a lot of discussions where MSPs are like, dude, drop break-fix, get rid of it. What are you doing? But yet, here's a survey that says it actually went up. Now, what the survey doesn't do is dig into all of the areas as to why it went up and stuff like that. Um, what is your sense of of that? Yeah, I mean, look, you see the you know, break fix. You know, the, those people that you know responded did see an eleven percent increase on the break fix side of things. But I think you're also seeing is the break fix in some cases is the lead in to go into a full managed service. Um, so you know, most of the MSPs that we're talking to today. Um, their break fix customers are what's transitioning into a full service because once they come in through break fix, they're, they're migrating over very quickly into the fully managed area. If I had to guess, that's what we're seeing, um, you know, because COVID really accelerated a lot of things when it comes to that break fix um, in terms of managed services, a lot of those different things. Um, but a lot of the folks that we're hearing from, and again, yes, I agree with you. It didn't dive in necessarily to go into more information, but a lot of folks I think are using that as a lead gen tool uh, to be able to kind of generate that opportunity to get them into a full managed. So let me ask you this question because I I just simply don't think, at least from my perspective and with my business model, that I could go away from break fits 100%. Because I consider any projects that are one-offs and stuff, that's those to me are are, are break fixed in in some degree. Sure, um, it all can't be lumped under a managed service monthly agreement. So any of those types of projects, and I do have customers like you said that I may take them on as a break fix in the beginning until they're ready to go on to that monthly agreement. Yeah. And look, your everyone's business model is a little bit unique. Uh, everyone, you know, has got their own style, their way of trying to do things. I mean, like you said, project work, a lot of folks will come in and deal with project work, you know, cabling, infrastructure. They're dealing with that as like a break fix style project. Someone needs access points or they need a new server rack. You know, in some respects, people consider that break fix. So, um, I agree with you. I think everyone's model's a little bit different. Um, but, you know, taking on those things, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it just depends on what your business model is. I think the most important thing is, are you profitable doing what you're doing? If you're doing break fix and your margins are where they're at and it's where you want to be and, and you're seeing the revenue and the growth, you know, it's, that's not a bad thing. It's, uh, to me, it's always been around, are you profitable? in what you're doing? Is it really bringing in the revenue and those things? Those are the things you need to be looking at to make sure that you're, you're not having bad reoccurring revenue or one-time revenue. You know, you want to make sure it's good. Right. Now it's been some years since you were on this side of the uh, table. Uh, How much of that has changed in your mind from when you were an MSP uh, till now in terms of that ratio or your philosophy or, or along those lines? You know, so when I first started, I mean, almost, I would say 75 to 80% of my business 
was around kind of that break fix. It was just low $30, $40 a seat type of thing. We'd do some basic stuff and then we'd bill you for the rest. Um, And then within a year of kind of going through learning the ropes, looking at the profit margins, seeing the time and, you know, expenses that we were putting out, um, we transitioned to full manage within like a year. Um, I see with most MSPs today, I would say 90, 95% of their time, it's, it's full managed. There's still about that 10%, um, you know, inside of the business that people are either trying to convert that's still on that break fix. And they're trying to make that determination of, do we keep them? You know, are they worth it? Is it profitable for us? Or is it time for us to, to let it go and look for something else? But the number one thing that I get asked by MSPs is, is how do we convert from break fix to full managed? That's probably one of the number one questions uh, that we get today because people are looking to kind of move into that full managed okay. uh, offering. And what's your number one answer? Well, it's <laughs> the customer is, you know, it, it comes down to, you know, do you actually have conversations with your customer? Do you have an offering and a solution to be able to go and have that conversation with them? There are people that are ready to go out and do that. You can't just go from a break fix model and then all of a sudden say, Hey, you have to be full managed, but you don't have the value prop for them. You don't have, you know, I haven't been having conversations with the customers. I mean, it's really hard just to go and spring it on people. I think it's really important that you educate, that you put together a really good offering. You understand your customer base, that you have the tools and the things that you're asking them, you know, to sign up for, that it's going to make the impact for them. I'm a big proponent of understanding your customer. You know, the big thing with me when I would go to a customer, I wouldn't talk about your computers and things like that. I'd be asking business owners, what are your KPIs? What are your goals for your organization in 2023? You know, what things are you looking to do? Are you looking to expand? You know, and then I would have the conversation of, hey, for us to be able to hit those KPIs, for us to be able to do these different things, this is the solution that we have to put into place. We can't operate like we are today. If we want to accomplish those goals and we want to accomplish those things, then we need to put in this offering. It's fully managed. Here's what we're going to be able to do. And it's going to align with your goals and your business. And you know what I mean, Marv? It's more of that business conversation with them and making it real for them, not just a conversation of we need more money. Right. Well, I, I get exactly what you're saying. And that's the conversation I have a lot of times is, you know what? Don't worry about what I'm offering. <laughs> what is it that you need to keep your business running and to get to where you want to go? And if it's a fit, we'll make it, you know, make it work. Here's my question. And I just, this is, I don't know if this is going to take us off track or not, but do you find that there are companies that are actually not ready to be MSPs, but yet they feel that urge and that drive that they've got to make their customers do managed services? But that, you know, the MSP themselves are not ready to be an MSP. Like you mentioned, don't have the tools. Yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, because, and I'll I'll say this in in, in kind of a maybe more the nice way of saying it is, look, we all went out when I'm sure we all go out as MSPs and we go out to bid, you know, jobs and things like that. And it's really hard when you're going out as an MSP that's been in the industry, you've put together a really good solution stack. You have really good value and you're doing things. And let's say you're at $200 a seat. 
and you go out and then there's someone that does it for $65 and they're saying the same language and they're saying all the same things, you know, then that business owner is going, well, $200 a seat, $65 a seat, you know, we can save a lot of money. But then, you know, we saw this in COVID. I, I can tell you, I saw this a ton is those $65 to the $200, those folks couldn't get their people to go remote. They didn't have the resources and the support structure to actually help their customers and businesses go into those you know, scenarios. They weren't prepared for it. They didn't have the resources. Whereas the guys that were charging the $200 a seat, while it was a strain and they were, they were really pushing hard on their staff, they were able to get all their employees there. Their customers were extremely happy they saw that value. So I do think there's guys that aren't ready per se. It doesn't mean they can't get there, but I think you really need to make sure that your stack is there, understand what that stack's value is, what it's going to do for your customers, and to be able to have good conversations and make sure your staff is trained. That's vital today because you can't just go out there and try winging being an MSP. Uh, you, you really have to understand what you're doing. All right. So the way you answered that really helps because it leads us right into one of the other things that I saw in the article. And there's, there's a whole section on what is keeping MSPs up at night. And that's been a big question that's been asked over the years. And for the second year in a row, competition was the number one response. And you mentioned it, that, you know, if you're offering a 200 and somebody else is at 65, that's a, a competition thing that you got to deal with. Um, what, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, competition's probably more fierce than it's ever been. And I think it goes back to a couple things we've talked about a little bit um, is you have to do a really good job of having business conversations because I can tell you, because in, in my role, I get to go out. We have a program called Powered Services where we go work with the MSPs. We'll actually go on sales calls, things like that. So we get to see, I'm on about 50, our team is on over 50 to 75 calls a week with the MSPs and their end customers. And we play an extension of those teams and we go out and we hear the objections. I hear the question of, well, we got three MSPs that are out here for bid and you know what, this one's 150, this one's 160, and you're 195. And like, you know what I mean? Like that that comes up, I hear it on just about every one of the calls. But what normally, if we go back to what I said earlier, where we're asking the KPIs, we're asking what your visions, your goals, your things like that, nine out of 10 times, the, the end customer is always saying, you're the only one that asked us about our business, where we want to go, what's important to us, you know, how we're going to get there. Everybody else was talking about, we can do your cybersecurity. We're going to be that internal IT for you. We're going to do, they're hitting on all the technical stuff, but we focused on the business stuff and the mark in the branding and the, you know, making sure that that MSP's image and all that's set up. We could win those deals even if we were $50, $60 more a seat because they understand that that MSP gets business. They understand them and they want to invest in what's going to protect them. They want to invest in, you know, what's going to help them. So, you know, you got to find a way to differentiate yourself from your competitors. I just wrote a blog about this not too long ago is 
your memorability and likability and your branding is so important today because people are looking when they're doing their research, they want to know that you're the right one to choose. And that way, when you're in that boardroom, you can really differentiate yourself. It makes me think of a conversation I just had with one of my clients. They are looking to move platforms for their line of business software. And one of the questions that the, the partners asked is, well, if we, if we remove these two servers and go to the cloud, is that going to reduce your cost? And I had to say, not really. You still want me available to take care of stuff. I'm still going to have stuff to do in the cloud. It's, you know, my job doesn't change because stuff moves from place A to place B. You know, right. you still have the same number of people. You're actually probably going to be adding people because of that. I don't really see that being a change. And the uh, the office admin person actually said, we don't want to lower our bill if it means that we don't get to get his help as much. And uh, yeah. they told the partner, they said, anytime we have an issue, he responds pretty quickly. And they tried to go with another company and... You know, we're kind of shocked that they weren't getting the help at the 24-7 <laughs> response that was promised. But Yeah, and, but, I mean, that's a great point, though. I mean, it's a lot of people can say a lot of the terminology, a lot of the things that we say all sounds the same. So, I mean, it's really you having really good conversations, you know, and making sure that you're constantly in front of your customers, having good business conversations, whether you do a QBR, uh, a TBR, there's so many names and acronyms now for, for the conversations that we can have with customers. That's the most important thing is you have to be real. You have to be, in, you know, in connection with your customers uh, and they have to understand the value of what you're providing. Right. Uh, you know, one of the things you brought up that 29% were competition but then if, like, if you look at just those couple other things, 28% were talking about revenue growth, 28% talking about profitability. There was over 24% talking about acquiring customers and then hiring. Right. Isn't it kind of ironic, though, that like revenue growth, profitability, and acquiring customers and that you know competition, I mean, they're all... They're similar. All right. They're all it's similar. Sales, it's sales and marketing at the end of the day. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's something that this industry you know, has always been at the top of almost every report is, you know, how do I acquire more customers? How do I sell? Um, how do we do it profitably? And I think that's the part to me that a lot of folks I think are missing. They think it's profitable. They think they're profitable. Uh, but then when you really crunch in and dive into those numbers, you know, it's maybe not where they thought it was. And there's a lot of room for them to grow. So it's just, you know, it's, it seems like it's a very common thing that's keeping MSPs up. Uh, and it's always around that sales marketing. And then obviously hiring has thrown in a lot of challenges in the last couple of years for everybody around the globe. So definitely a, a unique, uh, not as unique, but definitely is a unique challenge that MSPs haven't had to face per se uh, to the nature it is today. Right, right. And with inflation and costs and all that stuff, everybody's worried about stuff because got to pay our tax more. Got to pay our office staff more, but it's funny. So I was going to, I had a note and I didn't figure out how to, how to mention this, but revenue growth, profitability and acquiring new customers. I kind of see all of those as the same. 
because from my perspective, so I'm one of the few MSPs that I'm not like fighting to grow. Um, I have spent a lot of what I'm doing is getting customers that I know that are going to stay long-term and it's what can I do each year to get a little bit more of their business and to get a little bit more out of them. And we have actually grown our business by growing with our clients and all of that. So I've finally worked out the numbers to where my profitability is good (laughs) that, you know, my margins are set so I don't have to work as hard to make the same amount of money. So I'm not chasing the sales and I'm actually working on a top. That's a, I'm going to do stop chasing sales. (laughs) It's one of the podcasts I want to do, but all three of those, I mean, they're kind of all, intertwined they are i think if you're somebody who's not looking at acquiring new customers revenue growth can come through your existing customers your relationships like you're talking about you know having those really good things offering new potential services i'm expanding your services as an msp i mean i think when you look at the msps today you're asked to do more and more than you've ever been able you know ever been asked to do so um, you can expand your revenue with new services and things like that. And there are folks like you that just want to go down that revenue growth path with their existing customers and you want to do it profitably. And then there's others that are like, we've got them. We've, this is our stack. We're homed in on this. We just want to acquire and keep acquiring new customers. So they all are very similar. Um, but there's a couple different ways you can do it. And I, I, I agree with you in understanding how your business model is. And I do hear that a lot. And a lot of people say that their revenue growth typically comes with existing customers. Um, and then there's others that are saying our revenue growth comes because we're acquiring two to three new customers a month. That's our model. And we've got a, a machine to do that. So depends on the MSP. Yeah. So it is interesting that what is not in here. Um, and you don't have to address it, but one of the things that I noticed is that work-life balance was a part of this survey last year. I'm assuming a lot of that still was a result of COVID and wondering how we're going to, you know, balance, you know, the hybrid uh, situation and stuff. But there's also really not a lot of concern about our vendors, about mergers and acquisitions, even though we hear a lot about it. I'm sure you hear, you know, the big K machine is uh, growing and acquiring and stuff. That's not in this report. Yeah, I think, look, work-life balance, like you said, you know, I think that was something that was really heavy during the COVID when you were, you you really couldn't ever get outside the house. I think work-life balance could be in an MSP report for years. Um, You know, it's hard when you're that entrepreneur running a business and you're supporting folks that are 24-7. I mean, your work-life balance, it's real important that you have processes, you know, staffing and things in place to be able to cover that. So I think work-life balance has always got to be top of mind. You always got to be looking at that. I mean, one of the things um, we just talked about on one of our podcasts, but just mental health of your staff and making sure that everybody's in a good spot. Um, I agree. It'll, it's all, it probably wasn't on. This one, just because it's kind of the post, if you can never say post-COVID, I don't know. Well, we don't, we, we don't to, use that term, but. According to Florida, uh, man, COVID is done. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I think it, it's always going to be top of mind and you should always be thinking about it as an MSP 
you know, what is that work-life balance, not only for yourself, but your staff. Uh, but I think it just, for some reason, didn't make it to this one, this year's report. It's all right. So I know that I kind of started off talking about the things that I saw that interested me, but let me ask you, what are some of the takeaways that you got out of the report? You know, I think one of the things that I, I, I thought was, it was a good thing to see was on the annual revenue, um, you know, 94% of the MSPs set specific goals for their business. I liked to see that. I think that's something that is really kind of a great thing to see is, is that the MSP business owners, they're setting their goals. Um, you know, they're putting a plan in place for them to grow and, and, and succeed in their business. And then it followed it up with that 82% of them expect to see their revenue increase. Um, you know, and they're talking anywhere in that five to, to 10% increase in the next year over year. Those are really good numbers to see. I mean, when you got 94% people setting goals, you know, putting in plans, putting in business plans, 82% of them are expecting to see their revenue increase and they're expecting to see it by over 5 and 10% year over year. That, I liked that. I think that was something that I really liked because it just shows that people are putting that time into building their business. They they're not just caught in all the noise. They're setting plans. They're looking at things and they're, they're putting an opportunity for them to grow. So I wonder how I was going to, you know, compare the 94% of people that not only make goals and then 82% that are expecting you grow. How can we have such not high numbers and what's keeping us up at night? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you, I mean, competition can keep you up at night, but it doesn't mean that you can't go execute your business plan. Right. And I think it's it's I think it's good because if that's what's keeping you up at night is competition and you're worried about things, then your business plan is going to get tailored, you know, to make sure that you're addressing those things. Um, and you're if you're worried about competition and things like that, then again, you need to make sure that you have really good processes with your existing customer base and, and having really good conversations. They see the value. There should be nothing to worry about if a competitor comes in. You know what? your competition you should be looking at is do you have a stack that's competitive today? You know, are you offering SOC? Are you offering the EDR? Are you offering, you know, compliance as a service? You know, I'm seeing a lot of folks and it was in the report of just some of the different, you know, managed service offerings, but like watching MSPs go in lead with compliance as a service because it's a hot topic with cyber insurance companies you know, you you got to, you know, provide and have proper due care and all that today that you didn't necessarily have to have four or five, six, seven years ago. But now MSPs are taking business away because their stack has evolved. So when you're building your business plan, you need to be building your business plan to reevaluate. Is our stack competitive? Is it something that comparable in the market? Is there, or if we lost a customer, why did we lose them? You know, and is it something we weren't offering? And then, you know, you got to be looking at those things. It's real important today. All right. So that was the first thing that stuck out uh, in your mind. What else uh, caught your attention? You know, I think um, I thought it was interesting. <laughs> so it says MSPs continue to offer managed security services. 97% of the people responded you know, offering security services. That is not a, you know, um, 
any shock to any of us. Security is still top of mind. Um, but the top things that people are offering security, you know, the top two solutions that came out of this was email security at 76, password management at 71, um, security framework and compliance auditing, 69%. I mean, that that was really, you know, that really stood out to me is that, you know, years ago, if you looked at this report, auditing security framework and compliance auditing, it was barely even up on these lists. I was going to say, were they even there? Yeah, they weren't even there. And I think that's showing how much that the market is changing, how much the insurance companies are pushing, how much more now the, the auditing and having actual compliance is critical. Um, so to see it be so high up on the managed security side, I thought that was really interesting to see that it's jumped tremendously in the last couple of years. Yep. I'm uh, I'm pretty pleased at the report and what the numbers are showing. And I mean, Security and compliance have been huge for us in the last, I'd say, 18 months. And it's almost, I even had today, so one of our lovely joys in our industry is that we'll have people show up and think that they can do stuff on the network, you know, without the IT guy. So a copy guy showed up today to deliver a printer and you know, found out he needed a password. Oh, I guess we got to talk to your IT guy and... And I was already ready to call the customer because I got an alert that, you know, the copier had gone down, but then come back up with a different MAC address. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I was just ready to call you guys and find out what was going on. He's like, you're monitoring that? I said, yeah. And uh, trying to explain to him that, you know, listen, we've got to do this because I have, you know, HIPAA compliance, FINRA compliance and cyber compliance that I've got to do. So all of my customers get this stuff. And so you coming in and doing something, you just can't do that anymore. And he was yeah. quite shocked. Yeah. I mean, that leads into one of the things that was in the report. I mean, cause a lot, I think the last thing I was going to say is there was one slide or one page in there that talks about the managed security projected, you know, what services are you looking at adding? Right. You know, managed detection and response was number one. Um, privileged access management, EDR, uh, incident response and forensics, compliance monitoring. All of these, you know, ranked in that high 28, 29%, you know, of folks saying that these are services that they want to add. So I think it's it's going down like you're saying, though, you want to be monitoring all of these different things because, you know, there's so much that goes on you. I mean, Another vendor, you know, Dropbox could go down tomorrow and they're going to blame you. Yeah. They're going to be, you know what I mean? But that's why, you know, having all the different, you know, tools that you have, building out that really great security offering, compliance, full managed deal, it's really important. So you brought up the forensics thing. And I'm wondering how many of us are actually truly going to be doing forensics. Now, the reason I'm asking that is, Twofold. One, I had a gentleman on a couple of weeks ago where his job is forensics, and I could see where us as MSPs would be better served to have somebody who's that's all they focus on. Yeah, and a partner. But I also see that there's going to be some stuff that we are going to have to do because we're going to be collecting those logs and we're going to be monitoring those systems. But do you see that as a big thing? 
for the MSP going forward? You know, I think I think having tools that are, you know, obviously like your socks and your EDRs and things like that, where you're gaining that, you know, information. I I think the forensic is better to partner. I hear most MSPs like to partner with the forensics, you know, because they want that outside third party. They want somebody coming in and looking at it with them. I look at the forensic side of it as probably something that you're still partnering uh, versus a service you're wanting to do. Because, you know, that's hard to hire. You know what I mean? The forensic side. I mean, we're already having hiring challenges. Those are things that aren't easy, you know, for, you know, for just to get that skilled talent off the street to come into your, to your MSP. So I think that to me right now, I think it's more of a partnership uh, with folks. Um, but the incident response, I think you're also partnering, you know, once you get lawyers and attorneys and all those things involved. <laughs> You know, it, it goes down a path, but that part, I think it's more of a partnership. All right. So you said that was going to be your last point. So let me make sure I give you the opportunity. Was there another point before your last or was that it? No, I think, are we going to talk about the one? We, do we want to go there? Like the, the one, like the page, what is it? Page four. The, it's a good time to be an MSP. Well, that is my final takeaway that I thought out of all of that, because when you go and look at, first of all, so there was a page in there. I forget what page it is. Talked about top cybersecurity concerns. And the fact that out of the, the four that they bubbled, they bubbled virus and malware, COVID-19 related scams or threats, phishing attempts, and endpoint threats. Not ransomware. <laughs> which I yeah. mean, kind of interesting there. Yeah, look, I agree, but I think you could interpret some of these things as ransomware being a part of, like and like endpoints and things like you know, that. Phishing attempts, I, yeah. I, I think a lot of that stuff you could interpret. I think everyone has a different way they would go at it, so it could have just been the way we asked the question or things like that. But uh, with all that in mind. 95% of them say they believe that right now still a good time to be an MSP. I mean, which is interesting because I, I, you know, I don't know what you hear, you know, but I hear in the groups and in discussions, you know, people are frustrated and, you know, between costs going up and clients being resistant and I'm too old for this and all that stuff. A lot of people are talking about leaving, but yet, here we are. It's almost like the golden age. And thank you to the insurance companies for telling customers, you need to be compliant. So get your IT people involved. I mean, that's a, that's a golden egg for us. Yeah. We're walking into an era where the insurance companies, regulations and things like that are really starting to help. You know, for years we go out and tell people things and they'd be like, no, that's okay. I'm just going to check the box. Well, now they can't just check a box. Right. Now it's give us the proof, show us the vendor, show us your log, show us your you know results, things like that. It really is supporting the model of where MSPs are go. You know what we've been trying to get folks to understand for so long. Um, so I think we're going to see the insurance companies really help us as we continue to go. It's why having good JV partnerships with them, doing lunch and learns, things like that with their customer base, they could be one of your biggest gold mines. Um, in the MSP space, you know, as one of those JV partners. But 
Yeah, you see a lot of people that say, hey, I'm burnt out. I've been doing this for 20 years. And they're also selling their businesses at pretty good rates right now. Um, the M&A that we're seeing in this space, you know, one of the things we do at Kaseya is we have a lot of M&A symposiums and we do a lot of M&A talk. And we've got lots of experts on on our team that work with MSPs. Um, and I think you're seeing, you know, it's a really good time to be an MSP with M&A, with the insurance companies, regulations, driving opportunities. There's more and more services that you can provide your customers. The value is starting to show. Margins are starting to get higher. Seat prices are starting to climb. You know, you fix a few things, with it, whether it's acquisition, your profitability, things like that. I mean, really, it is. It's a great time because in the economic climate, IT still needs to be what's, it's what's powering businesses. So it's a really good time to be an MSP. It is. So I think with that, we will leave the report and I will have a, I don't think I can do a link to this on the show page. Can I, or is it something they have to go and submit their email address to get the report, right? We can get one, we can get a link for the show page um, for you and uh, we'll get that for you. Okay. All right. We'll do that. So that will be the, State of the MSP report, looking ahead to 2023. So we'll have that out for everybody. Dan, I don't want you to go away. Uh, I do want to do a quick little payment of some bills, and then we'll come back because I want to ask you about a little thing you do called a podcast. Yeah, we we have a we do what we call the Powered Services Podcast, um, and I appreciate you let me you mention it. Um, you know, so. This is something where every week we dive in with MSPs, we dive in with just industry experts. We try to bring you what's going on. Uh, we try to talk a lot from the sales and marketing side of it, but we bring all aspects on. Um, it's very transparent. You know, it's been uh, it's been phenomenal to see the support that we've gotten on it. Um, you know, folks are are submitting ideas, topics they want us to cover, things like that, and so I'm really grateful. But would love anybody who wants to check it out. Just go to like the Apple store or Spotify and type in powered services podcast. Yep. And uh, we're there. All right. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that, but uh, right now let me do this and we'll be right back. You're listening to the it business podcast, the podcast for every it professional it business podcast is presented by net ally. The number one ally of network professionals everywhere. Livestream funded by Computers Done Right. And thank you to our partners, Tom Bull, Kyle Kenyon, Clark Stockdale, and Synchro. All right. So your podcast, you already mentioned the name, the Powered Services Podcast. And you've been doing this for a few years now. I think you started it in 2020? Yes, 2020. All right. And as you mentioned, uh, conversations, not all Kaseya. So kind of like tonight, we didn't, uh, we didn't pound Kaseya over everybody's head, but just so yeah, people we, know that Kaseya is behind this. We don't really talk Kaseya. We talk the industry. We talk what's going on. I think it's, it's the most important thing. Our solutions and our things, people know we can plug those in. I think it's more important is that we help our partners. We help them understand the growth opportunities. We teach them, we educate them. Um, but no, very little. Uh, yes, it's a Kaseya sponsored thing, uh, but 
it's really about getting the MSPs the knowledge and the insight and, and being valuable insights to them on a weekly basis. All right. And you've got topics that are all over the place, including, you know, how, you know, what MSPs need to know about SEO, um, employee mental health for MSPs. So a lot of those topics. Um, but I want to go back because I missed one a while back. I don't know how I missed it, but back in May, you had one called why MSPs need to have a podcast. Yeah. That was- that's, that's probably been one of my things that I've done and preached probably the most um, in terms of, you know, over the last couple of years, think about this Mark. you know, when you go to an MSP's website today, I mean, it's always the same stuff, you know, fastest IT support in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, number one, you know, IT support in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, we all say the same thing. And I think, you know, we don't really talk to that end customer, their business challenges, their business needs, and things like that. And one of the things we've been working with MSPs on through our program is teaching them how to podcast. Go interview another business in your community. Don't talk tech, talk business like we did. Talk about something. You know, you don't have to dive in, but just have like a, having a cup of coffee, talk business with them. Put that onto your website, put it onto your, your LinkedIn, your Facebook. Um, it's an opportunity now when people come to your website, they're seeing all these other companies. They're seeing all of these other you know, local businesses that they're used to seeing in the community. And then those businesses are pushing that podcast to their customers. They're pushing out there to hear like about their business. And it's another way to really help build your credibility help get your name out there. Um, it, it's a really good way for prospects to kind of get to know you and learn about you. Uh, they can hear you or see you if they're doing what we're doing right now. Um, it's just a really good way. And a lot of our customers that have been doing this, um, I have one gentleman, he started the podcast about five, maybe five months ago. He does one a week with businesses in his community or the associations he's a part of. And he's already brought in close to $65,000 in monthly reoccurring revenue because it's going out to all their customer bases. Yep. And it's like almost like a, a referral <laughs> that's going out for you at no additional charge other than maybe your $14 hosting fee and the hour you had to do to put in and have a conversation. I just think it's an undertapped um, thing that MSPs can be doing to really get their name out there. And, and really help get that exposure where we're fighting for that competition. You know, yep. when we're looking for those things, it's a different thing to do that not everybody's doing, but it can give you a really good leg up. And I can tell you a little, a little tip from uncle Marv that if you are a part of a networking group, like a BNI, you've got built in guest right yeah. in your networking group there where just, Hey, offer to do a podcast and highlight and profile every other member of that group. And, yeah. you know, you don't have to fight to get guests. And uh, I, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, you got BNIs, you got chambers, you've got rotary groups. I mean, it, it's endless. Yeah. Um, you know, so think about it. It's not hard. It's an easy, you know, it look, I bought a roadcaster, a microphone, and a $14 Buzzsprout account. And that's where I started. You don't yeah. have to do it to that level. You could just use your Zoom and a, a regular microphone 
and get started, but it doesn't have to be expensive. And I think it's something that can really make a big impact. Well, I was going to say, yeah, a good little microphone, uh, hosting account. But the fact that you mentioned Roadcaster, I don't hear that a lot from other podcasters. So it was interesting to hear you. You mentioned it on the show, too, when we talked about it earlier. So how are you liking your Roadcaster? I love it. I think it makes life so easy. I use it for everything all day long. Um, I use it for all my training videos, regular calls I'm on. Uh, and uh, the new one, as we were talking in the green room, it's given me some curveballs. Uh, they did some... It's not like one of those V2s where it's easy to kind of figure things out. It's a V2. It's like, okay, I need to actually read the instructions <laughs> yep. uh, and understand what they're doing with this virtual channel that they didn't have on the other one. So, uh, But I love it. I think it's a really great tool um, for, for just overall business. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice all-in-one deal. It'll record for you and help you edit faster. And as most people that have listened to this show know, I don't edit. So <laughs> that's the way it goes. All right. Well, Dan, I think this has been pretty good. Uh, thank you for your time. But I am going to ask you, uh, everybody loves to hear about Florida Man. And we do a segment, Florida Man versus the World. So I wanted to ask you, did you want to try to find a story from your neck of the woods to compete against Florida Man or do you just want to answer a random question? I'll take the random question because I don't think I can compete with the Florida man. <laughs> okay. um, I've, been, I've been researching some of the things of the Florida man, and uh, I don't think I can compete there. What? You can't compete with the Florida man accused of performing lewd acts and touching a woman's leg on a Boston-bound flight? <laughs> I don't think I can compete with that today. Ah. Uh. And I did post one on the Facebook this morning about the uh, the CEO who threw a sex toy at, a, at an employee at a hotel. Uh, let's see. Wide-necked Florida man arrested on stalking charge. Uh, let's see. Extremely negligent Florida man accused of shooting daughter with AR-15 while drunk. Uh, Florida man is just fun. So... All right, let's see what random question I can get you to answer here. So let's do a refresh. and Let's do a, let's see, let's pick a, let's pick a funny category. And generate the question and let's see what it is. What board game do you like the most? Board game. Now you, are you of the age where you played board games growing up? Yeah. You know, I think the one, this, I don't know if you've ever played this. Uh, we actually just played it as a family. You're not too long ago. I, I like strategy, somewhat strategy okay. game. Uh, it's called ticket to ride. Oh. Um, it's a pretty fun uh, game. I think it's on, I have kids as well. So we're teaching them how to play it, but we play it with a lot of friends and family. It's a, it's a good fun game. You got to build your strategy and build your trains and get across the the world, uh, you know, before other people do to get your points. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay. I have not played that. Yeah, it's a good one. Ticket to Ride board game. All right. We'll uh, put a link to that. And Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon. uh, Ticket to Ride board game. Oh, not that bad. 25 bucks. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think... You get a group of people together. I think it it's a, it's if you like a little bit of a strategy, good laugh. You know, not 
you know, just having a good time with folks. It's it's a fun game. The cross country train adventure game. Yeah, and I'm not a guy that likes trains, but that game for me has always been fun. Do you get to learn about trains while you're doing the game? No, it's just it's really all about strategy. You know, you're taking different destinations you got to go to, and if someone blocks your path, then you're either going around or you're getting negative points if you don't get there. So mm. it, it, I like that kind of strategy style set. All right. I will check that out. Maybe I'll be going to the the Georgia cabin for Christmas. Maybe I'll try to get this and have our family play that up there. They always try to throw some game on me from Ohio that I never knew, and maybe I'll – turn the trick on them this time and bring this game up. Well, let me know how you, if you like it. All right. Uh, one thing that I do want to do, there is an event, since I mentioned some other events that were happening down here. Uh, one of your little helpers actually sent me a link to the uh, Connect IT Executive Roadshow that is happening December 13th at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, where I'll be at tomorrow. Yeah, and that is on the 13th. Now, I just got the link. It's got the countdown of the dates. But uh, do you know what that show is about, the Executive Roadshow? Yeah, so that Executive Roadshow is going to have a lot of our executive team there. Um, it's one of the, We do a lot of our local roadshows where we go out. Um, so you're going to hear from a lot of the key executives. You're going to hear roadmaps, what's going on with the company. Um, I believe at that one, we're going to dive into a little bit more sales and marketing too. So we'll have some really good content outside of just the executive speaking. Um, we'll dive in. I believe our CISO is going to be there as well. So um, there is a lot of networking you know, with other MSPs. So it's just a good time to go out, um, hear what's going on, see those things that we were talking about, that Kaseya one, you know, IT complete platform. You know, we do showcase and show some of that. So all in all, it's a really good time. All right. I think I'm getting back from the mountain about that time. So I'll have to see if I can swing by there. It's not too far from me. So maybe I can get over there and at least make the networking reception. That looks pretty interesting. Yeah, we'd love to have you. So, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Dan Tomaszewski from Kaseya talking about Datto and the state of the MSP report, as well as all things Kaseya. And looking forward to 2023. Dan, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for having me on, Marv. Appreciate it. We'll have to do this again. And ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this show. Next week, I have a double header guest combo. Diana Giles and Kristen Pittman will be on the show. And that should be interesting. Uh, Lots of updates with Lady Di. So be sure to join us Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern. And for all things related to the podcast, head over to itbusinesspodcast.com and click follow somewhere. And if you'd like to give back, there's some stuff there for you to do as well. That's going to do it for tonight. On behalf of my friend Dan Tomaszewski, we bid you all farewell, good night, and until next time, holla. 